Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. Got a fun episode for you guys today. Harry Schoen is coming on the podcast. And who is Harry? Harry is a, I would, so it's interesting because I'm, I've been trying to think of how to explain Harry, but I think he is an example that the American dream is not dead. The American dream is different. I like that. You know, and because I think as you listen to this episode, especially with some of the stuff that we ended up, you know, kind of wrapping up with at the end, he's a perfect example of a man who's living his dream and he's happy doing it with very little. And, and I think that's kind of the, what, what it all is about is what is what everybody should strive for. Right. And so what, what Harry lives in his, uh, in, in his Cayenne, he's got a generation two Cayenne, which is, Technically, you know, you know more about the Cayenne. One okay, with so, the facelift. So tell us about the so Cayenne. So it's the nine five five, I believe, point two, which is the facelift Cayenne. Nine five, whatever. Who cares? It's a bunch of numbers. It's yes. a Cayenne. So this is, I think, this is the same Cayenne that I drove down at the Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham, Alabama, where we went driving it up and down hills and through water. Was that right when it came out, basically? I think it was right when it came out because okay. it was yep. right when the first GT2 RS came out. I think that was mm, i'm not sure it was like some crazy <laughs> some crazy 911 that i was like well can't afford that you know but, right but very nice very fast very yep that's that's great but i remember driving we were driving up these hills and there was the instructor would walk up and he goes now what do you not do because he was he was not an american guy he's right. like what do you never do when you're doing this and it was the answer was always don't turn he says <laughs> you start to slide what do you do not turn. Yes. And then he would walk away. Like, you know, you don't want to roll you down. Roll. You would yeah, roll down obviously. the hill immediately because some of these grades are very, very steep. But these things are very, very capable. You know, Which they, I think most people don't understand. No, we drove through water up to the mirrors. Right. I mean, it's they're like, extremely capable vehicles, extremely capable, which is, I mean, by, I haven't broke down or like made it not to get groceries ever in my Cayenne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I invited you to go off-roading with us, and I suspect that you were worried about getting scratches on your Cayenne. It is a very nice Cayenne. It is a very nice... And I do want to sell it. It is... So it's future. useless. It's useless. To me, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely I, useless. No, I, I don't like it. Yeah, it would be. It's, it fits great in Woodbury, where nobody else uses anything ever at all. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah You should be ashamed. Do you okay. feel any shame? None, none, maybe none, just a little bit. None, none. You didn't none come whatsoever. with you. I feel no shame. We had so much fun. If yeah, you want to well, hear until Glenn's car broke down. Well, he never even made it. He has a Land Rover LR3. He never even made it up there. I'm not going to talk about this too much. We're going to save that for our Patreon episode. Absolutely. So you can, if you want to hop over to drivers, overcrestproductions.com slash drivers club. You can see the exclusive content there where Jake and I talk about our, some of our adventures and, and my adventures and Jake staying projects home and Jake staying home. Because it'll be a really interesting episode where Jake talks about doing nothing on the couch while I was up having fun twice. With twice? A, twice. I went back up. We went twice. I went there two Well, I, two you times. didn't even invite me again. Yeah. So before we get into our interview with uh, with Harry, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrolbox. Petrolbox is a monthly subscription service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast. That's a lot of S's that time. Is I'm into alliteration. Ooh. Spicy. <laughs> Each month, they carefully select items, including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, sweatshirts, t-shirts hats, beanies, all sorts of the latest and greatest in the industry. And there's two different levels of subscription to choose from. The Petrobox Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrobox Premium 
gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com and use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. All right, let's get to our interview with Harry, a man after my own heart, a man who chooses to be alone, chooses to explore in in a way that I truly wish I could, but I can't because I'm tied. I've tied excuses, myself down. Excuses, Chris. I've tied. It is. It truly is. It's excuses. Obviously, this man is doing it, and he's and he's incredible at it, and he's having amazing experiences. Everybody's having their own experiences in life, right? Right. And this is just this is his American dream. Mr. Harry Schoen, how's it going, man? Hey there, Chris. Uh, good. Not too much going on. Just uh, sitting in my new car that I haven't really told anybody about yet. Oh, oh. so what, what do we got going on? What is, what is the new car? So the new car is a 2006 Turbo S with 92,000 miles. What? Yeah. Wow. I, I teased a little bit on Instagram about it so far, uh, but I haven't put out official photos or anything or made a video about it yet. So, oh, maybe we need to keep that under wraps for a little bit, huh? <laughs> no, it's okay. People will learn soon enough. But yeah, the the Turbo S came about because you know I've, I see where the market's going. Um, I purchased my car for nine thousand dollars, and it's probably like a twelve thousand dollar car stock now. So I want to get in on the action of making money off of these cars while I'm pushing them and trying to bring up the values and stuff like that. So everyone else has been making money while I'm. <laughs> out of my 2008 Cayenne S, so I want to be a part of that show. Yeah, why not, right? So that's why I decided to pick up something that we'll actually appreciate in value. How are you going to decide which one you want to want to live in? Is it going to be kind of like you, you park them next to each other and you want to go to a different room, so you go to the other truck? <laughs> well, now I've got <laughs> I've got three rooms, so I've got a two story Cayenne. And that's true. Got, and so I got the rooftop tent now. So um, yeah, so it's a multi multi-storage uh, story complex yes also the turbo s um i don't know if you've really seen many cars with this option but it has thermally insulated glass so clearly Ooh. the turbo s is a better car to live in is that just like uh like a film that's on the glass like a 3m treatment or is it glass that's different it's dual pane glass so like the bulletproof mercedes windows that you see on the s500s and s600s yeah 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 i had a i had one of those in an s s320 had the dual pane glass um <laughs> and it was quiet it is the it was the quietest vehicle i've ever owned hands down bar none 130 miles an hour felt like you were parked mm-hmm. the same goes with this turbo s what's going on it is our pleasure to have you on the podcast i'm really excited to talk about everything you're doing with the Cayenne and you're exploring and it sounds like maybe you have another vehicle going on. I, but before we get into that, I'm, I'm really curious. I did a little bit of digging as I always do try and, you know, weasel my way around the internet and see if I can find things out about people. And I'm really, really fascinated by your choice to live in a vehicle. You know, I'm all, anybody, it doesn't even matter what the vehicle is. Cayenne, Land Rover, Ford Escort. I don't care if you've made a choice to live in your car I think that's that's an interesting paradigm. I think you have to be a special person to be able to to be able to um, to be able to condense life that much. Because I know I couldn't do it. I, I like, have a lot of stuff. You have a lot of stuff, Jake. I have a lot of stuff. I like stuff. Actually, I hate stuff. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And we can probably talk about that in a little bit. But how did you first? Where did you grow up? Where did where did this start? Where did your where does Harry's life begin? Not hospital. What hospital were you born in? But <laughs> generally, where did you where did you grow up? Okay, so. Um, from the time I was zero years old until I was 18, 
I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, like 30 minutes north in a town called St. Charles, Missouri. Um, I lived in a mobile home until I was 17 years old, um, had a normal life, uh, kind of like my parents worked factory jobs and stuff like that. I never had enough money to do really anything, but they kept me and my sister well fed and stuff. What kind of factory um, jobs? What are we talking about here? What are we making? Like usually temp service kind of things, whatever was needed, um, whatever they could do to scrape by. Okay. How, how was that growing up? Did you, you know, when you're at school and stuff like that, what was everybody else doing? What kind of cars were they driving? You know, I'm trying to figure out what kind of inspired this in you. So what's dad driving home from the factory or dad and mom driving home from the factory every day? So my dad had a 2006, I believe, Ford Explorer at the time. My mom had a Chrysler Town & Country minivan. Um, my school district, there were people driving uh, $50,000 cars. There were people driving $300 cars. Um, very rural area, but also new and up and coming. So just a mix of different people. So how, why cars then? I mean, I, I noticed that you had an E36 uh, BMW that you sold and ended up, you know, rolling that into probably the Cayenne. But how does a guy that doesn't, was your dad really into cars, but just had the Explorer? How did that uh, come about? No, nobody in my family besides my uncle was actually into cars. Uh, my uncle had a, I think a 69 Torino Super Cobra jet. And I found that at the time, but he was the only car influence in my life. That is a cool car. If you're going to be influenced by something, that's pretty awesome. No, <laughs> definitely. Um, I would say the cars came around my senior year of high school. Um, I was going through a lot my senior year. Uh, my dad passed away in November of that year from a sudden heart attack. Um, How old I, was he? He was 60... Five, I believe. Okay. This is back in 2014. Um, yeah, so he passed away without life or health insurance. Uh, he had diabetes at the time. He also, you know, ended up having a heart attack. So we were not taken care of. My family could no longer afford the trailer that we were living in. So I had to move in with my aunt along with my sister and my mom. So it was my aunt and her son living in this two-bedroom, two-bathroom house. And then the addition of three other people. So my sister and my mom ended up taking over my, my aunt's bedroom, graciously, and my aunt slept on the couch in the living room, and then I had a twin-size mattress that I would put on the floor every night before I would go to bed and then pick it up in the morning for school. Uh, so that was my life for the remainder of senior year, and then an, an additional six months before I went to the Navy. But at this time, I was also buying and selling cars on Craigslist, trying to make money. I got that from my friends who were also doing the same thing and saw that... Uh, it was an interesting way to do things. So were you buying cars on Craigslist and then bring them back to your, to your aunt's house and working on them there to fix them up and sell them? Yes. What was the, what was your biggest flip out of all, everything that you did at, at the aunt's house? So my biggest flip is why I got into BMWs. So I bought, okay. So the, so the flip started with this Chevy Cavalier that I was given. Um, I sold it a thousand dollars. I bought a wrecked, like it still drove a 2002 Mercury Cougar. And then I had some 12 inch subs. So I traded all of that and a thousand dollars for this 92 BMW 325 by four door Alpine white five speed. And then I threw some wheels on it, some eBay coilovers that I found on Craigslist, got the windows tinted and kind of cleaned up the paint as best as I could. And then I sold that for like $4,500. Yeah, that's a good one. So that was the biggest flip. And I was still a senior in high school. All right, so you you you're flipping cars, and what did you, so you flipped yourself into the what into the E36? Yes. 
Okay, so how did that how did that start? Because it seems like that's kind of where things start accelerating for you to, to the path that you're on now. So tell us how you got from that E36 to sleeping in your Cayenne. So I ended up, after flipping a few cars, moving on to, I had about $9,000. Or no, no, it was $6,000 cash. So I was cruising around in my mom's minivan that I was borrowing at the time after I had just sold the previous car. I think it was a 2004 Mustang GT. So I sold that for six grand. was just driving around, happened to cruise past the dealer lot. I saw a 2004 uh, 350Z. And I said, oh, I want to go test drive that car. Later, I ended up buying that car that day. And I got a loan for like 12000 or an additional $6,000. So $6,000 down, $6,000. My loan was at 9% interest. I drove that car until it was time to go in the Navy. The plan came to go in the Navy because I never had good grades in high school. I never applied to a single college. I didn't have any way to pay for college. So after I got out of high school... I was working factory jobs in the temp service and like, did you want to go to college, but just couldn't, or it just wasn't on your radar. It honestly just wasn't on my radar. I didn't think that I would be able to do well. So I decided to go in the Navy. Um, when I signed up to go in the Navy, I went into the recruiter, went through the process, saw what jobs I was eligible for. And with my ASVAP score, I thought that the best job I was eligible for was an air traffic controller. What's the ASAP? What's, what is that kind of like a, a way to, is it, aptitude testing kind of an aptitude test to tell which jobs you would be best suited for when joining the military so i saw air traffic controller and i said to myself like oh those make a lot of money on the outside civilian world so that's what i'm gonna do um isn't that one of the most high stress jobs that's that's what i've heard that exists is is air traffic control (laughs) it used to be the worst um they've kind of gotten better with it about getting people on the right sleep schedules and things and having the appropriate amount of workers. Uh, but yeah, I made it about halfway through that schoolhouse in the Navy after boot camp and then flunked out uh, along with not wanting to be there. I was getting decent grades, like 70 to 80%, but the way the scoring system works is you can get like a 97% on a test. And if you miss one very important question, you'll fail the whole test and have to be set back a week or retry it the next day. Um, just very difficult schooling. Yeah, I imagine if one of the questions is like, if this plane is doing this and this plane is doing this, what do you do? And you get it wrong and they crash and explode. I mean, it's kind yep. of a zero-sum game when it comes to making mistakes as a ATC. Definitely. So after I flunked out of that, I got redesignated to an undesignated seaman. So basically like the lowest job you can possibly get in the Navy is an enlisted sailor. Um, I got sent to San Diego. And in my opinion, it all worked out great because nobody that was in my air traffic control class got orders anywhere except like Fallon, Nevada. Like one person got orders to Florida. Everyone was going to like crap places. But I got sent to like sunny, beautiful San Diego. Right. So I saw that as like the most wonderful opportunity. And while I was in the Navy, uh, like I had a very easy time. I went on one short deployment. Um, I went on quite a few underways, but I used the time to better myself. So I started Uh, this license plate cover business. And then I started vinyl wrapping on the side. So I took on an apprenticeship at a shop while working full-time in the Navy, like 80 to 90 hours a week. So what were you exactly doing in the Navy at that time? What, you know, when you say you're working that many hours, what are you doing? 
So I was standing watches. Uh, I would stand about eight hours of watch every five days on top of a 40 or more hour a week work schedule. Um, basically chipping paint, painting the side of the ship, uh, any crap work that needed to be done basically was done by myself and others. So if you wanted to advance in the Navy, you sound like a guy who's always wanting to advance. Was there advancement there or was it kind of like, okay, I got to get out of here. I got to move on. I would say I definitely appreciate my time in the Navy, but from the beginning, I kind of saw like pay raises and stuff as you go up are so menial and just not enough. And the only way to get ahead in the Navy is like playing everyone's game, uh, looking good on paper, being buddy buddy with the people above you and then testing well. So all of those things I was not really about. Sounds so like I every corporate involved. job ever. <laughs> a little bit of brown nosing is involved. Not wrong. Yep. <laughs> so I just thought uh, I need to do better. I need to do bigger. And the Navy uh, isn't going to help me with that. So you decided to formulate a plan. Yes. <laughs> right, let's hear this plan. Let's hear this plan. So where things get interesting is uh, I was an E3 at the time. Uh I, throughout my Navy career, I got married twice for the housing allowance and other benefits. And I used that money to buy a house while I was in the Navy. So I was leaving one ship and at the same time getting the divorce. And then as I was getting to the new ship, I got married again. And then at the same time, I was closing on another house or on my first house. So I lived in that house for six months and then I was at the time I was renting it to a friend. I was also having another friend stay on my couch for a few hundred dollars a month. So trying to bring my expenses down as much as I could. After those six months, both friends moved out. And then I decided to move on to the ship. So I was living on the aircraft carrier, uh, pocketing the housing allowance and then renting my house out. So I was living for free and still collecting the whole like it was like I think it was twenty five hundred dollars a month in this housing allowance on top of my basic pay and my food allowance and stuff like that. So from there. I basically saw like, oh, if I can live for free, my expenses will go down so much more. Yeah. So living in your, in your Cayenne is the lap of luxury compared to a bunk on an aircraft carrier, right? <laughs> yes. I actually have more room in the Cayenne than I did then. So what do you think the core reason is that you're, you're able to live with so little? Most people are, you know, when you look at society today, everybody's consuming at a higher rate than they ever have in the course of human civilization. I mean... <laughs> my recycle bin is always full of boxes of stuff I got from Amazon or Target or whatever. Everybody's buying stuff. I'm like, why is there so much stuff? I'm like surrounded by stuff. In this world, what you're doing is very unique. What What do you attribute the core reason that you're able to live with so little? I believe it's just because I got tired of having so much stuff being tied down by things. Um, and then while I was in the Navy, like I would just live out of a sea bag and then I had like a garment bag and then a backpack, and that's pretty much it. Like, I missed the time when all I had was those belongings, and I was free to move wherever I wanted, and I had everything that I owned with me. I, I see. It seems so nonchalant that you say it that way. I know, but I think of I think of my house, and I have an entire storage area in the basement full of stuff that I don't even use, let alone all the stuff in all the rooms. Yeah, I have a I have a un, the the quote unquote under the stairs. Right, I have the exactly. under the stairs, which is stuff that I've been carrying around for 25 years. 
And then I had to buy a shipping container outside my house just to put more crap in. And it's just endless. And it's just never, ever ending. So it's just, it's, it seems very easy for you to say, well, yeah, I just, I have this bag. It's got some stuff in it. I'd, but it's very, very unique that you don't need more. How are you not swayed by the marketing and the consumerism and the corporatism and, and just the American desire to just more, more, more? How does that not, how are you not brainwashed? What is your, what is your trick of stealing <laughs> yourself against that? <laughs> if, I, if I see something and I want it, I think about how I'm going to use that every single day. Will it impact my life that much? Do I really need it? Sometimes I'll buy that, but I'll make sure the store or wherever else it is has a good return policy. Yeah. If I don't use it within like five days, I'll just take it back and cut it cut to a loss. Like I just was dumb for buying that. Right. Do you get lonely in the, in the truck? I think of the just the fact that you're either on the aircraft carrier or in your truck. It's got to get lonely. I definitely had some lonely times in the Navy, more so because everyone around me uh, had the lifestyle of going out every Friday night, uh, going out drinking, going to their buddy's house and playing video games all night long. That was never me. I always wanted to do better, like wanted to do something positive with my time rather than waste it. What were you doing with your time then? What was your leisure time when you were doing stuff like that? My leisure time was out taking photos or working at the vinyl wrap shop okay or on uh, the license plate cover business I had at the time so why aren't you lonely in the as lonely in the truck when you're doing is it because of the social media and the people that you're able to interact with or what attributes to the less lonely in in the truck so i've been living in the truck since may or uh, suv whatever you want to call it um truck sounds to- better i like truck <laughs> Yeah, but you've told me over and over again that my Cayenne is not a truck. I know. For the record. I, damn it, you got me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I like I think his is a truck because he really uses it. You wouldn't even go off roading with me last weekend because you were too scared. I just had other things to do and buy more crap. <laughs> you did you didn't have anything to do. It's not a truck. If you're putting groceries in it, uh-huh. it's an SUV. If you're crawling up somewhere in Moab, right. it's a truck. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. All right. I don't know. It can go by. It can go either way. I think <laughs> you got to pick a side, man. You can't. You got to pick a side. No, he definitely puts me to shame as far as using the vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. So why Cayenne? Where did this come from? Um, so the Cayenne comes from having an Audi Q5, and I thought that that was the most phenomenal daily driver. Um, I wrapped it satin black. I put a pair of Blizzics on it, and I took it off road and quickly found the limit of its capability at the time i was also a part of the off-road vag and porsche group on facebook and saw that there were actually parts availability for the q7 Touareg, and cayenne platform so i knew that that was kind of the next move um i was looking for a couple months i test drove two Touaregs, and they were both crap and yeah they they went downhill man the old Touaregs were great but when they yeah. when the new ones came out they're just like that V10 TDI. Yeah, oh, they used to be great. Awesome. They're just a husk of what they used to be. Oh, uh, I'll agree. I'll agree with that. Same thing with Cayennes and everything else, though. So, yeah, I saw that there was parts availability. So I searched for a few months, and then this Cayenne popped up at a dealer like a mile down the road. Happened to be the first one to see it before there were photos, even online. And I decided it was a good enough candidate. So I moved forward with it and had the immediate plan of lifting it. Um, when I bought it, I did not have the plan to live in it that didn't come until months later 
So this is a, a second gen kind, a 957, correct? This is the 2009 you said? So it's still the first generation. Oh, but, but facelift, face right. Yes. Which in my mind is actually the best looking gen. I have a I'll 2015 agree. and I do not like the way it looks. <laughs> so that thing's actually really capable off-road. The new, new ones are not, just like the Touregs are not. But that one can do quite a bit. Yeah, so past 2010, I believe they got rid of the, the low-range gearing, uh, but they may still have the center locking differential. So tell us about uh, deciding to live in the truck. So after I got out of the Navy in January of 2020 until May of 2021, um, I was just kind of living a normal life. I got my real estate license and quickly found out that that was not for me. Um, I decided that I'd... Well, yeah, I would Especially think... Especially <laughs> not in the recent market and the fact that you don't like living in houses. Yeah, I was going to say, if you yeah, this is a really great house. I would use about 10 square feet of this, but I'm sure it would be great for you. Uh, so, so yes, I, I wanted to drastically change things. Uh, I felt like I was always waiting for weekend trips and stuff to happen with friends, and I was always waiting for other people to uh to be ready to do things and i just wanted to take my life into my hands and do what i want to do when i want to do it so that i'm not like wasting my time essentially so i decided i wanted to either travel the world or travel the united states and since covid had everything shut down still uh with visas and everything i couldn't really travel freely um the plan was to start in thailand but you had to have like the longest you could get a visa was like 270 days or something, but you had to have every single night where you were going to stay booked out in advance. And I was not about that. So that doesn't sound just, reasonable at all. Do a lot of people just kind of disappear and just say, Fuck I'm, not it? Sure. I'm not sure. Cause that is completely unreasonable, <laughs> especially yeah. for someone that wants to backpack or just even like me type a planner. I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, no, exactly. So I just decided um, I'm going to do what I can to fit all my belongings in this car. And then on the side of that, like I got a five foot by five foot storage unit. And that's where I keep like important documents, the seats from the Cayenne, of course, uh, just little things. So besides <clears throat> the Cayenne, your entire life is in a five by five square foot area. So I had to upgrade to a five foot by 10 foot now. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is just mind-boggling for me, and I think most people. <laughs> so I had to get, I had to store the roof box in there because of the rooftop tent now. Uh, but yeah, so five foot by five foot fit everything, and yeah. So, what kind of expenses do you have? Like, what is what is your monthly expenses look like? Because I look at my monthly expenses in the thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm just kind of wondering what. What goes into to living in your car? What kind of expenses do you have, like gas, insurance? I don't know if you paid cash for that or if you have a car payment. What does it look like for you? So I did get a loan on the Cayenne. So I paid $9,000 for it. I financed, um, I believe, 8000 And then I also paid off some negative equity from an, A5, from an Audi A5 that I had to. Uh, so my car payment on the, uh, on the Cayenne is like $150 a month. And then my insurance is a little over $100 a month. Fuel, it depends on Does your on insurance where... company know what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. 
but I should bring that up. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah, fuel, it really depends. Some months I could spend two or three, no, probably around $400, but I think the most I've spent on fuel in a month is around 1300 And where were you going that you spent 13 <laughs> Or is it just cold or hot and you're running the truck all the time? <laughs> no. No, so I drove all the way to Oregon and then up to Washington and then over to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and then back down to Utah. So that big loop within a month cost me a lot. So what is the, uh, what are some adventures that you've gone on with the truck that have really kind of solidified what you're doing in your mind? So I've driven it as far east as St. Louis, Missouri. I've driven it to San Diego and then back to Utah. I've driven it to Oregon, up to Washington. So all along the coast, basically. Um, and then I think early next year, I plan to drive it all the way up to Alaska. Yeah, man, that's going to be awesome. I'll, uh, I'll lift my 911 up a little bit and come with it. <laughs> it'll, it'll be fun. I'd love to get a group going for that. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, I'd say I've experienced some cool things just by being able to live in the Cayenne and travel wherever, not having planned anything out, and then sleeping in front of somebody's house if it's convenient. Well, yeah, then you can use their convection oven. That's always a big, always, <laughs> always a big bonus. And so you don't, like, speaking of, like, an oven or anything like that, you don't have, I mean, you probably have, like, a hot plate or something like that. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've run into of choosing to live in your truck rather than having a real place? I would say the two biggest things are finding somewhere to work out of. So usually I spend like eight hours a day in a Starbucks or something, or the other thing that I deal with is just not wanting to cook every single meal because in the middle of the day, I'll have to pull up in a McDonald's parking lot or any other parking lot I can find and just start cooking out of the back of the can. And it takes a lot of time and it just feels weird. Yeah, so but you have two. a lot of time, right? I mean, you it's you have an exponential amount of time more than someone that's doing like a nine to five, nine to seven job, pounding away, coming home, wiping kids' butts, where they have no free time whatsoever. You have to have like a lot of free time and that's gotta get a little bit boring from time to time. Yes. No, there there's definitely a lot of free time and sometimes uh, when you don't plan things out and you don't set a certain amount of time to do something, you end up spending all day doing something that would have taken you an hour or two because you just didn't allot the time for it or plan it out well enough. So I spend a lot of time doing stuff that I can't even recall. Do you feel like, are you getting lost in the, in the routine of nothing? A little bit like just every day is kind of like, well, what can I do today? I don't really have anything going on. You know, I could drive the truck here. I could go longboarding over here. I mean, what, what, what do you do? What's, what's a daily schedule like? So I try to keep somewhat of a daily schedule. I, I try to work depending on if I want to film a video somewhere, then I've got to drive into the forest. But usually I'll try and work at like reaching out to companies, um, creating content on social media, uh, editing photos and stuff like that until about 3 or 4 p.m. And then that's when other friends and stuff usually get off work and then I'll go on adventures with them. A bunch of wages. That's what those guys are. Wages. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the term wage cage too. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you basically see, from what I'm gathering, is you see like work as an influencer purely uh, as a fulcrum to continue to do what you want to do, which is uh, basically live the life that you're living now. Yes. So I see it. So living the Cayenne 
and creating content was the catapult. So I've been taking photos and videos for three plus years now, but I never saw any kind of traction until I started living in the Cayenne. And then that's when my following went through the roof. And I see it now as the avenue to build more of an audience. And then my life will only get more interesting, more extravagant and stuff from here. So besides going up to Alaska next, what, what is your plan? My plan, I don't <laughs> have any solid milestones I want to hit where I'll stop living in the car or anything, but I want to purchase more and more properties so that I don't even have to do the social media thing if I don't want to anymore. And I don't have to rely on sponsorships or partnerships or anything. Uh, well, that's true wealth, right? I've, I've talked with this for, with some friends of mine is true wealth is needing none of it. Needing yes. none of the social media, needing none of the interaction, not having to be a slave to the creating of the content or, or the sponsors or anything like that. Once you, if you can get past that and chuck your phone in the garbage, that, and still be able to survive, that's true wealth right there. That's it. That's, that's the pinnacle. Definitely. So do you think people have made um, different assumptions about you because of the Cayenne? Then do they think that you already have money and that you're just some rich dude bombing around in a Cayenne? Because it's 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 interesting. Like I didn't know anything about your history until I started digging it into a little bit, and I didn't really. I don't think I really assumed anything of you, but I definitely wouldn't assume that you were that you were a guy that was living in it because he had the dream of just being alone and you, and you really enjoyed that. It seemed like it was more like a like a hedge fund kid that could live in his truck. You know, it just, it didn't seem, the story is far more interesting and endearing when you know. But do you find people making the wrong assumption about you often? I mean. I'm just talking like everybody just this would assume daddy's money, right? I mean, that's always the first thing you think of when you see influencer doing things. It's like, oh, that that, that guy's dad bought him that guy on. No, definitely. Um, not in person has, has this ever like come up or has anybody said to my face daddy's money i get those comments on tiktok and uh instagram sometimes but i usually just block those people because they're not willing to listen and then while growing up i even had like my close personal friends would would always say something to somebody else about daddy's money and i just never wanted to be associated with those people even because i like if i was afforded these opportunities by my parents i would not complain so why why would you complain about somebody else having that Oh, it's the way. envy. That's yeah. what it all comes down to. That's, I mean, that's the people always want. It wanna, is, but that's a refreshing outlook, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think people always want to tear someone else down. You know, it's the it's the equality and misery thing that everybody wants. As long as everybody's miserable and nobody's better than anybody else, that's way better than having a better position yourself and then having people be above you. That that's, why, that's why you always tease me about being short, because yes. you're also very insecure about being short. <laughs> yes. So you just want everyone to assume that I'm short. Yes, sure. Gotcha. We'll, go, we'll okay. go with that. I'm just saying that, you know, we just have a society where people always want to tear other people down. It makes them feel better about themselves rather than try and work hard like you are and build up their own personal life into who they see that they could be. Because you hear excuses all the time. I hear excuses all the time. When I, especially when I, I, I talk about doing trips and stuff like that, people are like, well, I just can't drop everything and go do that. I can't, I can't afford to go do that. And I go, well, here's a pretty perfect example of how 
you know, obviously it's taken you years and years and years to get here from being on that Navy ship, sleeping on that aircraft carrier, living in your garage next to your car with your bed right next to your car and doing all the things that you've done (laughs) with, with renting out your house and, and using money wisely and doing the license plate thing and the rap thing and, you know, kind of rolling into the sponsorship thing. Now, this didn't happen overnight. This has been a huge personal investment that you've given yourself that you've, you've put into yourself. And I don't think most people are willing to make the sacrifices to do that. So then they just say, oh, well, it's just not possible. I can't do that. I can't, I can't give up this. I can't give up that. And they're not willing to make the sacrifice to do it. And I think you're a perfect example that, you know, anything is possible. Most definitely. I think the thing that annoys you the most when I, when I talk or have conversations with other people, it's the people that say, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I'm planning to do this X, but they never follow through with it. They never end up doing it. Or people ask me for advice on cayennes and stuff. And I I clearly know very well, they're not going to buy one. They don't have any intent to. Um, But that's probably the most aggravating thing because I know I'm personally not like that. If I want to do something, I'm going to do it. Why though? You know, why, where did this, I just, this, this drive is very unique and it's very special. And I want to try to find out why, why do you feel this way? Do you, do you, feel like if you become stagnant, you've given up? What is it the reason that you keep moving forward so much and just you never really seem to be happy with where you are? You always are trying to push forward from what I gather. So for me, I was never raised with a religion. I was never any sort of organized anything like that. And so I see the life that I have now as the only life that I'm given. I don't see anything past this. I don't think that anything is promised after this so i am going to live every single day to the like the fullest that i possibly can just because i don't know what's after this i don't know when i'm going to die i don't know anything like that and i think that life is so short so why am i going to waste my time sitting behind a computer screen or doing something that i don't want to do i want to be enjoying this earth and everything that's on it well, that's an interesting perspective because that's very optimistic where a lot of people would be very nihilist about it and they go, well, I'm going to die. What's the point? I'll just do nothing. You know, it's <laughs> just, that's what nihilism boils down to is that nothing matters. You can just fuck off and do whatever you want because nothing matters. So it's like you can have the same train of thought of this is the life as it is. I'm going to die. So I'm either A, I'm going to make the best out of everything or B, I'm going to give up and just do the basic shit and get by and and then die. And I think that's basically what it boils down to is a lot of people are very, very overly satisfied with their position in life. They're like, well, this is good enough. This is fine. I'm here now. This is fine. Rather than continuing to push forward and better themselves. And in in turn, we're all individuals that will better society. If everybody's trying to better themselves and become a better person, that will in turn make society better. Yes. So where now, where, where, after the Cayenne, do you, you have any other plans of anything you want to do? I know we kind of touched on that a little bit, but I, I kind of don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's got to be some bigger plans in there. Hmm. So I discovered, um, I would say somewhat recently that I want to take great photos. I want to be known for taking photos also. But in this day and age, it's so hard to just take good photos and become well-known for that. So I think that it's very important to 
build your social media and stuff around who you are as a person. So whatever following you have will support you in anything that you do, not necessarily for just taking photos. So I can explore any other avenues in the future and hopefully whoever follows me will, will support that as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I've seen that a little bit with the YouTube channel, you know, uh, just telling people, Hey, go check this out. It's been, it's been better than I thought it was going to be just because people believe in what Jake and I have created and Jeff and I have created with the Overcrest brand. They, they mm. see other things and they're like, yeah, I think I'll go check that out. I like what these guys have done so far, even though it's something a little bit different. Yeah. So I don't have any current plans right now for what I want to do next, but I hope that when that day comes, I will have the following support it. So I want to switch gears and go back a little bit. You know, in all your explorations in the Cayenne, I've seen, and if you follow on social media, I've seen some of the crazy, like, what was the the rock crawling and everything else you're doing with this car? Just in Moab. That, what was it? It was Devil's Gap or Devil's something. Hell's Gate. Hell's, Hell's Gate. Gate. That you know was it. You know what's okay. funny is when you, I've driven around the country a lot. Yeah. And there's always Hell's Gate, Devil's Mouth, Devil's Butthole. There's all these <laughs> <laughs> that exist. It, there's all these different places, and it's always the gates of hell. But yeah. when, really, it should be like, this is the gate to heaven, because if you can do this, you've really done something. You don't get to the top and, like, immolate and catch on fire. You're not damned to hell if you get to the top. It's it's the opposite. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, spoiler alert, the, the client is extremely capable and is able to go over this amazing terrain and these things that, you know, these, usually you would think, well, these have to be like the lifted Jeeps that have all of the, like the locking, everything, air lockers, all the different stuff. And are, are people, are these other guys that are in the off-road crowd surprised or I don't know, amazed that a Cayenne, a Porsche can do this stuff? I would say yes, definitely. At the end of the Hell's Gate video the first time, the, the first one that I posted, um, there was an old woman and her husband like in a side-by-side -side, kind of watching me do another obstacle. And as I was going up this through multiple tries, just because the track control, traction control system wasn't happy, uh, she says out loud in the video, this Porsche guy's a nut. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, I'm uh, sure you're just beaming by that. You're like, yes, badge of honor. You have no idea what I just did in under a minute. Yes. So, Did you I think mean, you were going to make it up Hell's Gate? Did you, because you, obviously the first time you didn't know, did you think you were going to make it up there okay? The first time I wasn't really sure. Um, I just knew that I was going to go for it and see what happened. And I really trusted the person that was spotting me. So I knew that no matter what, I would make it. Um, and then, yeah, the second time I went back and tried it, so I tried it three times in total now. So the second time I went back and tried it, I just decided to do it without a spotter. So I went up, and that's the that's the sub-minute one. Um, and then people always talk about, oh, Hell's Gate is not that hard. Like, it, it looks harder than it is. But nobody else is doing it in less than a minute. Everyone always crawls as slow as they possibly can up it. Wow. That's cool. And then another thing, nobody really talks about the downhill into it, but that's the only part that's, like, sketchy for your vehicle. Because there's this part that if you're not in a Wrangler with like almost no uh, rocker panel, then you're going to scrape really badly. So as a planner, what did you ahead of time think you would tell your insurance company <laughs> <laughs> that the damage I, came from? <laughs> I think taking that risk on your own and if, if something happens, you're paying for it. Yeah, you're, you're kind of on your own there for sure. Do you think that my Isuzu Trooper could make it up that? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the other videos, a, uh, a Kia, some sort of Kia, a Kia Sonata, no, 
the Kia SUV did it. I mean, Kia paid a professional driver to go out and then everyone uses that argument like, oh, a Kia did Hell's Gate. But no, they had a whole like probably $100,000 team there making right. sure that. It, and then also a stock F-250 work truck did it. Um, a Geo Metro has done it. What? Yes. I think I believe there's a video on YouTube of that. I mean, it takes like 10 minutes, but it does it. That's amazing. So they just have a bunch of guys pick it up and move it back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I'm I'm really looking forward to coming out west with the trooper next year. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up. I think we should get together. There's places I want to go. Maybe we can find somewhere that neither of us have been. I think would be great. That's definitely possible. How about Shiprock? Have you been to Shiprock yet? No, never even heard of it. Okay, so Shiprock is this huge. You got to Google it. Everybody, pull out your phones and Google Shiprock. Shiprock Monument. It is this, it's in New Me- northern New Mexico, right on the border between New Mexico and Utah. And it is this massive uh, spire that rises out of the desert with nothing else around it. And it's got this little spine that walks across the dirt, uh, rocks across the desert behind it. And it looks like it split out of the earth and caused the earth to buckle when it came out. And it's massive. And You, you can't need- drive on that, can you? No, but you, you can't even drive up to it with a car. You need a truck. Like I couldn't, we kind of drove over near it with my 911, but we couldn't get to it. There's no way. It's just not possible in a lowered 911. You just can't. And if it was, there's a trail on that spine. No, you just, I want to just drive there and go and and just, it's one of the things (laughs) I want to see. I'm looking at photos here and I'm like, what are you possibly going to do with your Zuzu Trooper on this thing? (laughs) I just drive to it. I want to drive to it. And I'm sure there's lots of other places in New Mexico and Utah to drive. I'm sure we could find some other place to go. But I always like having these iconic spots. Like, I want to go to this. I want to see this thing. And once you see that thing, you get all these other kind of um, accessory things that you see and experiences that you have. Adventure kind of, accessories. Adventure <laughs> accessories. All these different moments that you that you encounter and places you see and people you meet and all the things that happen on your way to that kind of like landmark, you know, destination for yourself. You know, if you drive up to the Arctic Ocean, and you go to Tuk Tuk which is which is in the Northern Territory of Canada, it's where I really want to go. Maybe maybe we take the trooper there or the nine eleven. I don't know. Anyway, that's where I want to go. But when you get out there, you're like, well, there's the Arctic Ocean. Well, right, you see it, and you're, that's that's it. It was, it's just this destination. It's, do you know what you're trying to say? It's not about the destination. Of course, it's about the journey. Right, their Vegas das Ziel. The the, exactly. the route is the goal. The journey is the goal. That's the name of the film that we did on on YouTube. But you know, it's everything. It's it. It's just a catalyst. It's just the reason. You know, it's just the reason to go. It's the reason to do something. Mm-hmm. So, ship rocket is. We're going. That's it. That's it. And we'll see if we can get Jake to come out in his fake truck. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm all in. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Harry, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It's It's been great. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate... I know this has been probably a month or more in, in, uh, in trying to get us together, but... <laughs> Where can Happy people to- find you on social and TikTok? Uh, at Harry Schoen uh, or Harrison Schoen on TikTok, I think. And that's basically it. Or YouTube, too. All right. We will take it in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out. And obviously, we'll take it on social media later when the episode comes out as well. Again, thank you for hanging out with me, man. I, I really, really respect what you do. I think that it's not something that most people can do. I don't think they're psychologically capable of it. But I mm-hmm. think that it's something that people should aspire to recognize is important. And I think that they should introduce little parts of this into their life, especially being alone with no stuff in the wilderness is really, really special. And if they can 
just reach out and get just a little bit of that from you and put it into their own life. I think it will improve their quality of life greatly. Definitely. All right, man. We'll see you around. Take care of yourself. All right. You as well. Thank you so much. Yep. Bye-bye. So, so you know what Harry could use? We should send to him what some Obert car care products. Yes, after going through the desert and up these rocks, yeah, he needs to clean and protect his paint, which is exactly what our friends at Obert Car Care do. You know what's sitting on on my counter at home? What an unopened Obert car care box. What? It's got wheel cleaner in it. You got yours already? I got mine. I think Why my, do you always get the goodies before I do? mine... I'm you spo- live I'm, so much further out in the middle of nowhere. I'm supposed to share it with you, I imagine. No, I'm I think he's he asked us for both of our addresses. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I think I'm supposed to share it with you. I haven't opened it yet. I, I want to try it out. I gotta. I have to wash the trooper. It's disgusting now. Right. I mean, in a way that it's amazing. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this when we were, when we were driving. And I'm like, wow, this thing is really dirty. I'm like, wait. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. I'm going through nature's car wash right now. I'm making it dirty, which is the opposite of, so I'm like cleaning the that car. That is not nature's car wash. Nature's car wash? Driving through a bunch of muddy puddles? Absolutely. That is, that is the opposite of washing. That, but that's, that's how it's- dirtying. But <laughs> That is nature's dirtiness. It, it is nature's car wash. I'm you know making what? the I, car I, dirty. It's, it is its I, natural state. I did state. think of a new like tagline or t-shirt we need to make. Dirt is earned. Earn it. Earn it. That's going to be it. Just but it's it. But it's dirty. Like a dirty yeah. sticker. But it's dirty. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, if you're not into that, this is the completely opposite of what we're- No, what we need all this- sponsor is talking Here's about. Here's the thing. Is I'm never going to be that guy that just- drives it. Leaves it. I will always clean it. And I need to clean it. And you know what's crazy? What? And well, not what's crazy, but I didn't tell anybody about what my winter vehicle is. What's your winter vehicle? It is a 2014 Ford F-150. What? Yes. When did where did this this is so out of left field? Yes, but it's it's needs a lot of paint work. Okay. Like I'm gonna I'm probably gonna use an entire bottle of Obert Car Care <laughs> on it. And and I'll take a couple videos of it. You guys can see uh see if I You've can repair it. You've never used the second step. Process. I never have. I think I so, need to. Yeah, they have the two step process where the first is kind of the cut and buff and the second is the polishing. So this thing was really dirty on the inside. And this is so this is my father in law's truck. Okay. And he's no longer with us, as, right. as, okay. we've, as we've talked about. So I'm going to take care of this thing. I'm going to get I it gotcha. cleaned up, everything like that. I'm going to drive it for the winter. So it's, here's how bad the paint probably is now. Hey, Irene, can you get a damp rag uh-huh. and clean the inside of the truck? Uh-huh. You know what she heard? Hey, Irene, <laughs> get a damp rag and clean the truck. So <laughs> this thing's really dirty. So I go oh. around to the other side. And I just see her with this damp rag, just, just like swirling, just sand. rubbing the dirt. And, and I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. She's like, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm washing the truck. And I'm like, that was nice of her. It was. I was like, oh, I meant to maybe learn that lesson on. Yeah. So maybe she can try to hold the buffer as she polishes out her own swirl marks. There you go. So we're going to use the Oberg stuff and see if we can repair this thing. She goes, you didn't tell me that. And I'm like, yes, I did. And she goes, no, you didn't. And I'm like, well, this is a losing battle. This is going nowhere. <laughs> no, uh, anyway, so go to obertcarcare.com where you can buy the Obert Car Care stuff. You do this all the time. <laughs> use code Overcrest to receive some percent off 20%. on your order. What? Yes. 20%. Every week. 20% off your That's order. That's a big amount. Yeah. Support our sponsors. They're the ones that support this podcast. You know, they support, there's... Some of our sponsors have supported the rally. Some of the uh, sponsors have supported uh, many things that we have done. It's very important that you you are you are a patron of them. Please do that. We would really Absolutely. appreciate it. They would really appreciate it. Support the sponsors. Support the sponsors that support the content that you love. It's very important. Um, that said, we will see you guys. What? What? Your mouth is open. What have you got to say? 
I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say. Based in the U.S. You know what's great with all of this supply chain shipping nonsense? Yeah, it's here. It's here. Yeah, you can get it right now. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Take care.